Hello, this is Toby Michnell, Senior Editor for Private Equity at PEI Media. In this edition of Spotlight, we're talking impact with someone who has just raised $700 million for their third emerging markets-focused impact investing fund, Andy Cooper, the CEO of LeapFrog Investments. Andy joined us in PEI's London offices on his way back across the world to his home in Australia. We started chatting about the growth and the mix of the firm's investor base. The firm counts some big insurers like AIG, Zurich and Prudential, as well as DFIs like Proparco and IFC. And this time around, more family office money, Cooper told us. The conversation then moved on to the future of impact investing, now that a lot more conventional private equity firms are starting to operate in this space and successfully raise impact funds. I think we're going to see a lot of wheat being sorted from the chaff mm. because it's very easy to go out right now and raise capital if you're a big name with a sizzling prospect like Impact. And the question is whether who is going to implement it well. And by the way, I deeply hope that a bunch of the major players that are entering, uh, as well as the more insurgent GPs, uh, fulfill this and do this incredibly well because it'll be valuable for the field. But there's no doubt that there are going to be a few who use it just as a marketing strategy and that LPs need to look carefully under the hood as to whether it's being done authentically or not. Yeah, well, you kind of preempted something I wanted to ask you about, which is how you feel personally as someone who's, who's who got into this game early, helped shape it about a host of mainstream established managers getting into it and, and what sort of dilutive effects that might have on just the mm. concept in investors' minds of, of impact investing. Mm. Because nothing sinister about it. They all have different interpretations of, of what an impact fund should be. Some are literally just screening what they've already got and saying, we'll put that in an impact bucket because mm. it meets in some way or it works towards SDGs. Whereas others have a more clear, we're going to invest in companies that deliver on one of these goals to make you optimistic or well when i launched leapfrog with president clinton 10 years ago we said we call for the launch of 100 leapfrogs and 100 partnerships with leapfrog and that in a way became impact investing and i was on the world economic forum mainstreaming impact investing working group and so on so we've been trying very hard for many years to encourage major players to come in and that's because i believe that you want to be the leader in a fast growing field rather than just take out your little bit of territory and defend it so we think it's a phenomenal thing that all sorts of uh, major investors are coming into the space and we embrace it. The, that allows us to syndicate, to co-invest, to exit to folks, to work on things together, to have LPs have had in a whole number of conversations about this area before we arrive with an exciting proposition. So overall, we think it's a very positive thing and it's something we've encouraged for a decade. What remains to be seen is how the wheat and the chaff get winnowed. Mm. So I would caution people against seeing something in the papers that then leads them to feel impact investing is not working out, as opposed to, well, here's a case where it didn't work out, and there are probably a whole lot of other cases where it did. Yep. And I really think we need to see that the maturing of the industry is going to bring a very healthy competition there, in particular in emerging markets, you have 4 billion people rising. You have radical new technologies that have lowered the cost of reaching those billions of customers by probably a hundredfold. So there are a whole lot of companies that are fulfilling this immense opportunity and potential. And so the idea that there are massive constraints on what number of deals are out there 
is a misguided one. Essentially, the problem is that there aren't enough great managers pursuing those companies with deep understanding. And we need to be enthusiastic about people entering the space. And if you actually come from context I've just come from, which is the Emerging Markets Private Equity Association conference, Mm -hmm. we saw that GPs were actually very enthusiastic to collaborate because they're investing into a fast-growing space. And having collaborators is valuable. So when we look, for instance, at our companies, they've grown on average at close to 40% a year. If you look at that as an opportunity set, there are a whole lot more of those for a whole lot of other people. The question is, how do we seize more of those opportunities? Not, gee, it's a, you know, a, a fixed pie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's kind of carve a little bit out for ourselves and hope others have a little bit less. That's just not where we are. We're in the middle of a very fast-growing pie that uh, it's easier to bake together. <laughs> I mixed a lot of metaphors there, but uh, you get the analogy. <laughs> um, so, so, so you mentioned then a couple of, uh, or, or you obliquely referenced headlines that, that, that maybe you wouldn't want to put off institutional investors from the idea of impact uh, because they're firm-specific. I would assume, and you can tell me otherwise, but we're probably talking about a, a Braj being a, a firm that positioned itself as being an impact firm and no longer being in existence in, in, in many ways. And maybe about the alleged personal behaviour of Bill McGlash at TPG. Yeah, is that a, something that kind of worries you or, or rather you've just been speaking to many, many investors? Is that Are they asking you those sorts of questions? Is that an answer that you've had to give? I think it's first very important to clarify that there are hundreds and hundreds of GPs now in the impact space. And you're talking here about uh, a bridge which is was not an impact uh, investor across the board. It had one impact fund that constituted way less than 10% of its assets under management. And the other is an individual story, whatever you think. So the idea that this somehow invalidates uh, a field that has had enormous amounts of data generated now about it that has a fairly decent size N Uh, or sample of GPs and LPs, uh, I think is pretty misguided. And when you actually talk LPs through the impact opportunity and how there is such a clear thread between purpose-driven investing and generating alpha, they very quickly get beyond these concerns, and that's how we were able to raise the, the capital. It's not that people don't ask the question, but it is that when you can show, for instance, as we can, because we have a customer insight team, that client centricity drives better performance of the companies and therefore results in higher valuations and better exits. People look to that as clear evidence that impact works. When you can show that business professionalization in terms of governance that is best in class allows you to extract a premium when you sell your companies to the likes of Prudential or Allianz, uh, then investors say, aha, okay, impact is really interesting. What you don't want to do is come in with some grand remonstration and say, we're all hope and dreams and please do something wonderful for the world. People do want to do something good for the world, but they have a fiduciary obligation to Mm. optimize on their returns. Um, Talking of returns, so one of the things that's been quite difficult to quantify as a journalist is the universe of, of, of impact funds hasn't been deep enough until quite recently, I think, to say this is what impact does or doesn't deliver on a wider basis. Mm. Um, what can you tell us about 
Leapfrog's returns and, and, and how that acts as kind of a guide for what can potentially be generated with a profit with purpose. I think the first thing to say is that the Global Impact Investing Network looked at 12 studies mm-hmm. of impact returns and essentially in developed markets they're comparable and in emerging markets they're superior. And it's not surprising that they're superior because governance matters and good treatment of a very large customer base that is growing fast matters in terms of performance of your company, regardless of your social attitudes. It matters from a financial perspective, and of course it also matters from a social perspective. So that's the first thing to say. Things have fundamentally changed in the past few years in terms of the evidence base. Secondly, from a leapfrog perspective, We obviously can't talk about specific returns here, but what we can say is we've had 40 significant investors diligence us very recently and pile into the the fund and we were oversubscribed. Of course, we can say that. We can also say that if you look at our companies across 10 years, every single company selected into the portfolio Uh, and you look at performance of any company that's been in the portfolio for more than two years, and you take a simple average of the revenue growth. So no funny business, nothing out, nothing selected cleverly to weight things, just a very simple average. Our companies grow at almost 40% a year. And that forgives a lot of errors and enhances a lot of value. So you can have a currency depreciation or a political event or all sorts of different things, and you can still really in that kind of environment generate outsized returns. So it also is highly protective, of course. So we currently have a 0% loss ratio that may not be sustained forever, but mm-hmm. never on realization have we lost investors' money. And it's very public that we've hit many you know, twos and threes and above for folks because we would have our companies bought by major players who had different cost of capital from us and when the companies had become of a quite different scale. So I think there is a an obvious proposition I've always thought it's an obvious proposition but it's a long way to take people from the notion of something that is might appear social soft and just generally positive to the notion that this thing purpose and serving people well brought right back to uh, the investment manager really generates alpha and, and can generate high returns okay so a, f- a final question from me I think which is the private equity industry in general seems to be waking up a little bit more to the fact that its license to operate is, is based on more than just sending cash back to investors. Impact is seems to be a big part of that, but it seems that firms starting today have to kind of knit in some sort of awareness or, or, or benefit to the society around them, whether it's a philanthropic angle or whether it is a focus on, on, on the kind of externalities of its investments. Do you see a future where kind of every fund is an impact fund because it has to be producing a positive outcome and then does that kind of negate the need for Leapfrog? <laughs> well, I think that the massive push into responsible and ethical investing is certainly positive and we may end up with a world where it's just an assumption that everybody is responsible and ethical because that is the only way to stay in the game and wise LPs ensure that. 
However, I don't think is that everybody is going to end up being an impact investor in the real sense that Leapfrog implies. There are just a whole lot of areas where you're not going to be able to generate the direct positive social outcomes that we generate. Every single one of the 136 million low-income customers that our companies serve is part of the revenue line. And every single one is getting an essential service that is a safety net or a springboard for their lives. So if you look at that and you say, how do I see what the impact of LeapFrog is? Well, I've got to give you lots of measures of the product's quality and the services and how do we think about this and so on. But fundamentally, the impact argument and the profit argument is pretty obvious because profit meets purpose at the customer. There are a lot of other areas where it's much harder to make the case mm -hmm. and where I think folks are going to be able to be sustainable investors, but they're not going to necessarily be impact investors. That said... There's a new study that shows that the current uh, market is about a half a trillion, worth about a half a trillion, and it's going to go, according to uh, this IFC study, potentially to 26 trillion. Now, if you look at that kind of growth, that indicates that a big piece of the capital markets is going to move in that direction, and that LPs should get in early, but safely. Obviously, we think that leapfrog and other long-standing players are, are, are the places that those LPs need to go to have a safe pair of hands and have a lot of learning as they enter the space. And just because someone arrives with a marquee brand uh, doesn't mean they know how to do this properly. But hopefully over time, those marquee brands really will learn their way into doing it properly. And there'll be a panoply of options for LPs who are looking to get outsized impact and outsized returns. And I've seen it in the impact on within LPs of folks who have walked with us through two or three funds. The pride of the investment teams and the broader stakeholder community, the reports that they put into their annual reports or the way the chief executive speaks at the shareholder meeting, this really looms large and becomes a way for leaders within LPs to cement their community and cement the value set with which they're approaching the world that in the end are what make their own institution sustainable. Excellent. Andy, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been fun. That was me, Toby Michnell, speaking with LeapFrog Investment CEO Andy Cooper. For more insight into private markets investing, visit privateequityinternational.com or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or Podbean.